helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Don't you just hate it when reality walks up and bites you in the butt? You know what I'm talking about. Like when you put off fixing your car, then it just breaks down on the side of the road. Or when you plan to use all that overtime you've been getting to pay off the home equity loan you just took out, only to have your employer decide to cancel all overtime work. These are the truths of life we all would would love to ignore. But see, there are consequences for doing that. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. And yesterday, we're talking truth and consequences and how ignoring the truth can lead to some pretty painful and uncomfortable consequences. I got a lot of different topics to talk to you about today, but I want you to stop and consider because the the, the very idea of truth seemed to have been, um, I don't know, maybe just got disregarded. I remember when people kept saying, well, that's your truth, but not my truth, as, as if truth depended on what you felt like. Or listening to, uh, to one speaker who was complaining, you know, somebody was complaining about what the speaker was saying, says, hey, you believe you make your own reality, then I'm your fault. All of these are the idea that there is no such thing of, as truth, because if we can avoid the truth, maybe we can avoid the consequences of being wrong. So that's the problem with truth. Truth doesn't care how you feel. As uh, Dana Patrick Moynihan once said, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but they're not entitled to their own facts. Truth is a stubborn mistress. Doesn't care how you feel. It doesn't care what you want. It just is. Now, as children, we can expect the world to change around us, but as we grow up, we're supposed to learn that there are potential truths out there, things that might happen that that we should prepare for, whether that's uh, the repair of a, of a car or the maintenance on your home or your financial future. I, I remember, you know, when I worked in corporate America, um, I was working on a salary, but I got bonuses. And I always based my budget on the salary. That way, if the bonus didn't come in or wasn't as big as I thought it would be, well, it didn't hurt too bad. But I know plenty of people that were dependent on those bonuses, and if they came up short, things got real ugly for them. So as you look around, we, we, there are certain things we should not be surprised when they happen. The, the, the truth, the reality of people's statements and people's positions, and um, really we shouldn't be surprised by the consequences that come from it. Uh, take, for example, our climate change. Right, now, Again, a lot of people are, are making a lot of claims about climate change. The problem is none of them are supported by actual scientific study, at least not, at least not the scientific process. You know, the, 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 the scientific process, you have, a th- you have a theory, right? So you hypothesize that uh, something, you test that hypothesis, you observe the results of the test, and then you modify the hypothesis. That, ladies and gentlemen, is not how this has been working. See, they hypothesize that the temperature is going to go up relatively rapidly. They build a test, meaning a model of, of, the, of, the, um, of the atmosphere, of the climate, 
and they run the test and they observe the outcome and says, hmm, it's not going up as fast as we thought. But rather than saying maybe our theory is wrong, they simply change the variables to make the, 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 uh, the model stick out, pick, spit out the numbers that they want. This can be shown because of the, I think there's four or six uh, worldwide climate models that they use. One of them, the only one that has been near accurate, I mean, within, within a couple of degrees uh, period, was the Russian model. But that's not the one they use. Why? Well, the, the truth is, um, you know, climate change, while, while climate change is natural, we are coming out of, in, in geological terms, we are coming out of an ice age. It should be getting warmer. If you take, you know, if you take a block of ice out of the freezer and you put it in the air, it's going to melt. That doesn't mean that the the world's getting hotter. It means we're returning to more of a baseline. But the problem is people are, the consequences of this hysteria over climate change and man's role in it, which, by the way, there's also lots of evidence to show that man's role in it is minuscule compared to solar activity. So that leads us to consequences. The consequences being we got a, a group of people that say we got to do whatever we can to destroy mankind. I mean, that's not their stated goal, but that's effectively what they're saying is mankind is destroying the earth, therefore we must destroy mankind. We must destroy your way of life. We must destroy uh, um, the, 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 what you, what you, the, the part of your life you enjoy. We must destroy it because it's destroying the planet. Just listen to Greta Thunberg. That's basically everything she says. By the way, listen to all the other climate alarmists like um, uh, Senator Markey or... Um, Oh, what is it, John Kerry? They're basically saying that uh, you know we're destroying the world, therefore we must destroy our lives so that the world survives. Now, where does it come? What, what are some of the other consequences? Well, the push by uh, AOC and some others said, "Hey, we need a green New Deal." Now, remember what the New Deal was. The New Deal was FDR's attempt to deal with the depression with government intervention. Now, of course, if you look back at history, there's a couple of little problems with that. First of all, um, while the entire world suffered a depression, only the United States suffered a Great Depression. The depression wasn't nearly as bad in, in Europe and other developed countries. Do you know why? Well, according to economists who I listened to, um, they said these other countries did not have as much government interaction. In fact, there are studies that, that show that um, the Depression was deeper and longer in the United States because of the misallocation of resources that are part of a government program, a New Deal program. So they want to create another one. Well, that didn't work out so well. They didn't get their Green New Deal. Well, except as I warned you then, they're going to get their Green New Deal one way or the other. In this case, they got it through the Inflation Reduction Act. Remember that? The, the, the grand omnibus bill that was supposed to attack inflation that did almost nothing to attack inflation, that what it actually did was um, the Green New Deal with a new label on it. So that was bad enough, but there was a, 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 uh, uh, a program in there called the American, well, it, they created a, the American Climate Corps. This is something that Joe Biden created based on 
uh, some language, I believe, in the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, what is this Climate Corps? It's a jobs program. The, the same as the Tennessee Valley Authority, the same as the um, uh, was it Hoover Dam. These are jobs, not so much because the, the job needs to get done, but we want to employ people. So this is basically a green jobs program, meaning you, the American taxpayer, are going to pay people to destroy your way of life. How does that sound to you? Does that sound like a, a really firm chomp on the buttocks when you're going to take your tax dollars to pay people to do jobs to train them to destroy your way of life? Now, listen, I like clean air. I like clean water. Um, but this Green New Deal push is not only destroying our potential way of life, it's destroying lives today. Granted, not in the numbers we first thought, but let's say last week we had that, that really cold stretch. I mean, I live in Middle Tennessee. One morning I woke up, it was minus 13 degrees. I didn't believe I was in Tennessee anymore. But again, these happen. Now, there's a couple of things you have to understand. And again, I'm not an expert on batteries, but having worked in IT where I dealt with a fair amount of batteries, I know a bit about them. And one of the things I know is batteries, chemical batteries, do not like the cold. In fact, I have an old iPad. Um, it's an iPad Air. I don't even know how old this thing is. But it works. It does exactly what I want. But it has one problem. See, it's old, which means the battery is old. And one of the problems I have, I like to go out in the morning and read. I grab my iPad and I do a little reading before I start my day. And I'll go out even when it's pretty cold out there because, well, you know, I was born and raised in the Northeast. I can live with a little bit of cold. 30 minutes of cold I can, I can deal with without a problem. So I bundle up and I go out and there's a problem. See, once it gets much below 20 degrees, there's a very limited life on my iPad. The battery will only last so long. And in fact, I have to be careful. I have to actually keep my iPad in my jacket when I'm not reading it to keep the battery warm. Otherwise, I go outside and in minutes, the battery's dead. This is a problem. Now, it's inconvenience for me because I'm using an iPad. If you have an electric vehicle and you're having this problem, well, the consequences can be quite serious because it could mean you're stranded somewhere. Now, take, for example, what's happened in Chicago. Now, they had sub-zero temperatures. It was cold. Now, a lot of electric vehicle owners, well, they went to their charging stations because they wanted to get their cars charged before the cold weather. Why? Because the batteries charge slower in cold weather. There's just a bit of a problem. They couldn't charge their cars. See, several Tesla drivers went to a, a supercharging station in Oak Brook. They found long lines and abandoned vehicles. Why? No juice. They would plug the car in and it would, hours. One guy said he was there for three hours and his battery was still on 0%. Now, there's a couple things that I want to point out. Where is the breakdown, right? It, it, a lot of people were blaming the charging station. They were blaming Tesla. Um, I'm not so sure the problem was the charging station. 
My guess is it was the battery. The battery was so cold, it didn't want to take a charge. Now, as I understand it, these Teslas have a, a battery precondition function. You can go into the system and say, precondition the battery. And what it does, as I understand it, is it um, runs juice through the batteries to help give them a little bit of heat so they will charge easier. And if you don't do that, <laughs> apparently you're stuck. Now, again, I, I, I do feel for these people. They may not have known about that. Apparently, they did not um, get a lot of support from Tesla. Um, but this is a consequence of pushing an, uh, an all-electric vehicle fleet. What happens in the north when it gets cold? See, it, you know it's going to get cold in the north. You, if your fleet has significant problems in the cold how are you going to mitigate them see when i moved to tennessee i was living in the upstate new york i was looking at where i wanted to move i want to get out of the empire and when i i, I found a website and uh, it, it allowed me to evaluate states uh, based on their freedom and categories i could choose so i put in the categories that most interested me and the answer came back uh, i think it was south dakota dakota north dakota tennessee I picked Tennessee because I don't have to shovel sunshine. I know it's going to be cold in the Dakotas in the winter. I know there's going to be snow. So I made a logical choice. I want to move to a southern climb where it doesn't get cold so much. This is why the, the last week's cold snap was such a, a shock. Uh, well, not so much a shock, it, it, but it was, it was not what people are used to. Same thing with electric vehicles. See, you have to know... Getting access to power may be limited once you're outside of a metro area. You must know they do not like extreme heat, nor do they like extreme cold. Their battery performance changes drastically in extreme heat and extreme cold. And if you find yourself out in the middle of nowhere, or if you find yourself at a charging station with a dead battery that doesn't want to charge, that to me is a firm bite in the behind from uh, the consequences of the truth that we're not ready for electric vehicles as a, as, as a foundational part of our transportation infrastructure. They have their place. I absolutely agree they have their place. Um, the fact that you live in a metro area like Chicago is a, good, is a better place for a, an electric vehicle than, say, um, out in the middle of Arizona where you're, you're hundreds of miles from anybody. But you also have to deal with the consequences of it's going to get cold. Kind of way the same way down here in, in, in Tennessee. The homes aren't built for the cold, so we have to prepare things like um, dripping our faucets at night to help keep them from freezing because the homes aren't built to deal with the cold. It's the, it's the consequence of the truth, the reality of the decisions that we are making. And sometimes, well, they're just not a lot of fun. They bite us in the backside, and let's face it, we need to learn to deal with them. Hopefully, these people with the, in Chicago with their frozen-up Teslas learn their lesson. Kind of the same way Texas, was it last year or the year before, when uh, a large part of their grid went down because their, um, their uh, wind farms were not prepared for cold weather. They weren't uh, configured or designed to deal with cold weather. 
Now, there's some other consequences that I want to get to, but before I do, you know, I do need to take a break. And since we're talking about cold and cold weather, it is cold and flu season. I suppose we should start calling it COVID and flu season, but I'm not going to go there. But it's a time of year when people tend to get sick more often. We're indoors for longer periods of time. Um, the, the air is dry, so our nose tends to run. and We tend to rub our noses and our faces more often. All these conditions are set up to spread germs and, and, and viruses and other things that make you sick. Now, there's a lot of things you can do to help boost your immune system so that it can deal with these, these attacks so that you don't get, see, get sick especially if you're like me and you're on the road a lot. So what I reach for is Healthy Cells Immune Super Boost. It, is, it combines over a dozen immune supplements in a single ready-to-use travel-ready gel pack. I throw them in my bag when I leave. I throw them in my briefcase if I'm going to be gone for the day. Because as soon as I, if I'm on the road, I take them every day. If I'm not on the road, I take them when I start feeling a little off. And they're great. It's a, it's a gel pack. I, can eat, I drink the gel pack directly. You can mix it in a liquid, but it works. And it's all based on vitamins. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% your first order on your first order from Healthy Cell. Find out how at AmericaOutloud.shop. And I recommend you check out Healthy Cell. Check out not just the Immune Super Boost, but all of their great products. Find all the details you need at the website AmericaOutloud.shop. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It works. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study today. We're talking truth and consequences. Not truth or consequences. Truth 
and consequences because there are consequences for following the for, for seeking and following the truth and there are consequences for ignoring the truth now here's the truth that a lot of people don't like to hear um regulating aviation is not a power delegated to the united states now interstate commerce yes but not aviation itself now, personally do i think we should have uh, um, some national standards for aviation yes i do the problem is the supreme law of the land says the federal government doesn't have that power because we the people never gave it to them because if we actually took the time and said hey how about we have a constitutional amendment that allows um federal government to deal with uh interstate travel not simply interstate commerce or uh, uh commerce tr uh, that involves we would be we could restrict the federal government to to um, well, to doing what we want it to do, namely to keep us safe in the air. I mean, that's, that's why we want an FAA. We want the FAA to help make sure that when we take that flight, that we are safe. Now, having been a, a student pilot many, many years ago, I've dealt with the FAA and I've dealt with some of their nonsense. But let's remember, the FAA is a government entity. You must remember, whenever you're dealing with a government entity, you are dealing with politics. Everything in the government is politics. I love people that they, they think that somehow that uh, the government is you know, pure as the wind-driven snow and, and simply because you get a government paycheck, you're an expert. No, you're dealing with politics, especially at the upper levels, which may explain this Washington Post article. See, according to the Washington Post, the Federal Aviation Administration, the people tasked with keeping you safe in the air, well, they are actively recruiting workers with severe intellectual disabilities, psychiatric problems, and other mental and physical conditions under a diversity and inclusion hiring initiative, a, a DIE. I know most people say DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. I say it's diversity, inclusion, and equity because that's what you're going to do. The FAA is not looking for the best candidate. They're looking for the best disabled candidate, the, one, the best candidate with serious intellectual disabilities, with psychiatric problems. Now listen, I do not want someone to not get a job because of a condition that doesn't impact their job. You know, it, 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 I, I don't want, um, say, uh, an air traffic controller that has psychiatric problems. Uh, and I don't think the FAA is going to push people there. But whatever the FAA is, FAA is hiring for, um, why are you seeking out the disabled? Again, I don't want to prevent the disabled from getting a job. But why are you seeking them? Why are you placing a disability above the performance of the job? Because it's a government job. Therefore, it, the, the hiring is political. The truth is, every government position is a political position first. Because the decisions made at the upper echelons of any agency, of any department, uh, of any branch of government, are first political then functional. So what are the consequences? Well, hopefully you remember that uh, recently, Boeing's been having a problem with their 737s lately. Uh, first, you had that with the 737 um, 
It was the 8 Max, I think, was the first one that had that little software glitch. Uh, if you don't remember, they, there's like, I think it was three 737s simply dove for the ground all by themselves. Turned out to be a glitch in the software of their autopilot. Um, it had to deal with the, the new engines and the balance of the aircraft and using software to attempt to keep the aircraft from falling out of the sky actually made it dive for the ground and on, on rare on occasions it was there was a specific circumstances the 737 800 max fleet was grounded now you had a 737 i think it was a 9 max that simply had a a plug blow out see when they build these airframes uh, they have openings in them they have places for people to get in and out they have emergency escape hatches and um if the if the specific aircraft is not using one of those openings they put what's called a plug in it well apparently the bolts that were supposed to hold the plug in were missing or they failed they were they they, ha they haven't been found and uh the uh the the plug blew out uh, thankfully, I don't think anybody was sitting there, but it was quite spectacular. Now, why, why do I bring that up? Because in the aftermath of that, you have uh, the FAA saying, we're more interested in, oh, I don't know, uh, a person with uh, 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 problems. Again, some of them I can understand, right? Uh, hearing impaired, vision impaired, uh, missing limbs, partial paralysis. Uh, if my concern is not with are is not are there are we preventing qualified people who have disabilities from getting the job the problem we have is why are we are we putting people in positions not because they are the best but because they meet some political check mark that is the that is the the the, the bite in the backside i'll never forget when i was a kid living in new york city um Oh, I can't remember the the uh, the feminist activist that wanted the women when that were trying out for the the FDNY, the the Fire Department of New York. They wanted them to have a lower physical standard than the men. And the logic this this person used, well, see if they can't pick up the person and carry them down the stairs, well, they will can grab them by the heels and drag them down the stairs where you're less likely to have smoke. Never mention the fact of bouncing their head <laughs> off the uh, off the steps on the way down. So if a woman, listen, if if I were in a burning burning building, I don't care if the person that saves my butt is a man, a woman, or you know a green alien, save my butt. But if you're telling me that, sorry, sir, we can't save your butt because we are more interested in politics than in actually doing the job, then I have a, pro a, a problem. So I'm going to come back to the, the FAA, the people that are supposed to keep you safe when you fly. They have an initiative that apparently is placing not only uh, uh, some problems, but things like m psychological problems, uh, um, intellectual disabilities, mental conditions, at the top of the list, regardless of whether they are the best candidate. To me, that's the, the consequence of that is someone's going to get killed. Someone's going to die because, uh, because a uh, 
not an accommodation, because a preference was given to a less qualified candidate in this political attempt to, to garner favor with people by focusing on not the job being done, not the job you're hiring the person for, but in this case, the uh, their, their disability, you know, we, we can hit the checkbox, we have this disabled, this, this disability. We've seen it for the color of a person's skin, we've seen it for a person's gender, and now the FEA is doing it for physical and mental disabilities. I only wonder, where are they going to put these people? Tell me, where are they going to put somebody where a complete paralysis is not a hindrance to their job? Where, where uh, epilepsy, intellectual disabilities, psycho- uh, psychiatric disabilities are not an, an impairment to doing their job? What jobs are there like that? Okay, here's another story. You'll love this one. Another example of how the fact that people can't bother to read the Constitution or just plain ignore what it says um, is going to come and bite us in the backside. Now, to understand this, let's go back to the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 8. This is Congress has the power to promote progress of science and useful arts. And see, a lot of people stop reading there which is where we get this idea of the uh, you know, federally funded you know, grants and initiatives and, and uh, uh, studies, right? Oh, well, you know, we're, we're, we're promoting the progress of science and useful arts, so we're going to issue grants and, and funding for all these scientific things. And uh, we'll do it for the science, National Education Association, National Endowment of the Arts, I should say. And we're going to spend all this government money on that. But you see, that's the problem is they're not reading the whole clause. See, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1 says that Congress has the power to promote the progress of science and useful arts by, meaning this is how they're allowed to do it, by securing for limited times to authors and inventors the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries. Here's where the problem bites us in the backside. So problem number one, um, the federal government is embezzling money from the American people in an attempt to to fund these these programs. So problem number one is, again, they're, they're, and, and again, they're embezzling money. They're not legally authorized to spend money for this. Remember what our, the, the Commerce Clause, or the, the um, General Welfare Clause says, the Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. Congress can only spend money on three things. The pay the debt of the United States, to the common defense of the United States, and the general welfare of the United States. Capital U, capital S, proper noun meaning the union, not the states, not the people, the union of states. This very same United States that the 10th Amendment says, if we didn't explicitly give you the power to do this, you cannot do this. But you see, they ignore that. They simply say, oh, we think this is a good idea, and, and it'll, be a, it'll help the progress of science and useful arts, so we're going to embezzle money to spend over here. Problem number one. But as if that weren't greedy enough, back in December of 23, the Biden administration um, uh, put out a a request for information, and they now have a a proposal that um, if the government funded the process, if I read this right, they own the patent. 
See, we go back to uh, an old piece of legislation, the, the Bay Dole Act. Um, this was done back in the 1980s. And guess what? It was bipartisan, meaning both sides are trying to pick your pocket. Now, the, the before Bay Dole, um, less than 4% of patents had anything to do with federal funding. They, they were not federal, the research was not federally funded. After the act, the, the, the companies have received almost somewhere around $2 trillion of your money for these products. Now, here's where life gets interesting. Now that it's federally funded, the federal government claims that, uh, well, they own or control, have control over the patent. See, under this proposal, um, so let's say certain large market uh, companies, right, including, by the way, some foreign entities with U.S. operations, will be allowed to petition the government to basically transfer the patent from the actual inventor to this company. Tell me there's not a, a incestuous relationship with large corporations and the federal government. Here's the federal government saying, hey, let's, say, let's, let's use a recent example. Uh, say some, uh, 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 some small think tank, some small lab comes up with a brand new vaccine. Right? And, of course, now that they've invented this vaccine and uh, it, 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 it works and, and they want, they're going to start collecting royalties when they license it, the federal government says, you know what, Pfizer, Moderna, now come to the government in petition saying, hey, we want you to transfer that patent to us because we can do it better. Now tell me, how is that guaranteeing to the inventor the exclusive right to their discoveries for a, a limited time? Oh, it's very limited. It's limited to as long as the federal government thinks they know better. This, ladies and gentlemen, this is... Intellectual theft. This is, you know, we, we yell and we complain about uh, the intellectual property theft that communist China does day in and day out. It, it's, it's, a, it's been a sticking point for it, at least 40 years that the, the government of communist China is stealing the intellectual property of American businesses that do business in China. Well, here you go. Now the, now the federal government wants to do exactly the same thing. They want to steal the, the intellectual property of people simply because they were dumb enough to take a bribe from the federal government to create their invention, to do the research that leads to this invention. This, ladies and gentlemen, means we're going to take the, the crime of embezzlement and we're going to add on intellectual property theft. Is that not a bite in the backside? I mean, just imagine you, you, you are a, a small-time uh, uh, inventor. Maybe you're a small company. Maybe you do it in your garage. But you invent the next big thing, the next great invention. I, I have a, a, an algorithm for a secure data storage that I've been trying to patent and, and not been able to, to do yet. But just imagine, I patent, you know, for to get this working, I get a, a, a grant from somebody who got a grant from somebody that eventually went back to the federal government. And then as soon as I get this wonderful invention, they go, oh, sorry, Mr. Engel, um, we're going to take your patent that you, that you filed, that you, you proved, and we're going to transfer it to somebody else because 
we think they can do it better than you can. That's the backside getting bit of our of, of our lack of understanding, ignoring the truth that the federal government is not authorized to grant money for research or for arts. Okay, I have to take another break. Before I go, though, join me at AmericaOutloud.news every day to find out what's going on. But as usual, I'm going to ask you to do something. Don't just go there to get the news and information, but, but find maybe a story or an article that says something important to you. Or, or maybe a podcast or a video of somebody that explains something better than you have ever heard before. Share it. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Share it with friends, share it with family, share it online. It's actually the act of sharing that will help us all secure the blessings of liberty. Expert opinions, honest debate, and in-depth investigations are what you've come to expect from AmericaOutloud.news. We don't shy away from speaking the truth boldly and plainly. All that's missing is the propaganda that has infected legacy and social media. Get the best of down and dirty, wholesome American speak. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study. Today, we're talking about truth and consequences. And before we went to break, I was talking about an attempt by the... Uh, um, the federal government to basically, after embezzling money to fund projects, to steal the patents and the intellectual property for their, their uh, uh, well, we'll call them their friends in, um, in, in large corporations. 
Well, this is how this works. I, I, I almost missed this. There's an article, actually, in my local paper that, um, well, I guess pointed out something I was saying before. See, they start out with, you know, the battle to keep government open may seem like something of the day, but it's really important for the United States because the federal government spends tens of billions of dollars every year to support fundamental research conducted at universities. Again, remember, everything the government does is based in politics. Why do you think the federal government spends billions of dollars to support research? Well, there's two reasons. Uh, reason number one would be, um, you know, uh, how can I put this? Uh, they're funding research for political purposes, right? Uh, this would include climate change, transgenderism, um, homosexual you know, squirrels, whatever, all that stuff. But the other reason is simple. You see, if the federal government spends tens of billions of dollars to support research just at universities, do you think the federal government has some sway over policies at those universities? Now, I know the, 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 the article talks about how, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's important. Um, you know, we've gotten some, some basic research out of it. They never talk about, A, um, how much of the tens of billions of dollars actually are used for productive research. I mean, just look, Ron, uh, uh, Rand Paul, every year, puts out a list of boondoggles that the federal government has funded. Many of them is research into absolutely ridiculous things. But why, why is the federal government doing it? Well, there's one, there's a, one really fundamental reason. Because the private sector looked at it and said, nah, it's not worth it. That's how it all started. Somebody had what they thought was a great idea, but they couldn't sell the idea to people who actually would look to see, is it worth the effort? And then the federal government comes in and spends this money, which means the people at these universities now are dependent on this money. Think of universities, universities like Harvard that has billions of dollars in endowment. The University of Penn, um, Cornell University, UCLA, all of them that have trillions of dollars of money available. But they're getting money from the federal government to do this research. And of course, once the government does this research at the universities, they use that money to say, hey, we want you to do this. I'll give you an example. Um, they talked about in this article uh, the, 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 that the, the funding led to research that made the COVID-19 vaccine possible. I mean, the same COVID vaccine that has led that is uh, at least correlated with an increase of excess deaths around the world the one that was not properly safety tested the one that was never tested for efficacy and the one where uh, of the billions of dollars we now have this technology that is de designed to be toxic it's designed to get your body to create a toxic protein and it's designed to cross the blood-brain barrier doesn't sound very good to me. Now, why did the federal government have to fund this? Well, because the private sector said, no, nah, we don't, we're, we're, we're skeptical. It's the same thing where the, the federal government has spent, I, who knows how many billions of dollars on prenatal stem cell research. 
You know, the, the stem cell research that has never actually created one cure. Well, well, companies and industries have spent money doing research on adult stem cells, which have produced treatments and have produced cures. See, the problem is Congress is spending money based on politics. It's not legal for them to do it. But even though there's some people saying, well, you know, they're doing this wonderful research, but are they doing it well? First of all, is it legal? It's not legal. Oh, so we can create it. We can commit a crime because we get a few good outcomes from it. We look at the amount of money wasted by the National Science Foundation and others on research into things that others say it, it, this is not. And again, if these products were so good, if this research was actually so impactful, why is private sector not investing in it? We all say, they're saying, this is important research. There's a reason why, um, uh, but consider this, this other factor. So if the federal government is throwing tens of billions of dollars at, at colleges and universities to promote their politically-minded research, their politically-designed research, what research is not getting funded because the research, even by private sector, because the research is going to the politically funded. What do I mean? Take one of those universities. They've only got, they've got, you know, they, they're taking, you know, say they get, um, oh, a few hundred million dollars from the federal government to study, um, oh, I don't know, um, the, the mating practices of the, the, the Brazilian fruit fly. By the way, I don't know if that one's real, but certainly sounds real. Well, if they're doing that, what about the guy that has, says, you know what, I've got, uh, I got a few million dollars to work on this, uh, this treatment that, um, well, might help detect cancer early so we can treat it. You can get hundreds of millions of dollars from the federal government for some stupid, you know, project, as opposed to a few million dollars for something else. What's the university going to do? See, this is that misreading of the Constitution. The federal government is not authorized to spend money on the progress of science and useful arts, only to secure patents and copyrights. All right, I think I've done that one for a while. Let's shift gears just a little bit before we end up the program. Now, there are a lot of people that have uh, a lot of bad things to say about the FBI. Uh, me, myself included, by the way. Yes, the agents that came to my home were professional, and I will always remind people of that because they don't deserve to be tarred that much. But the FBI certainly has not been the most, uh, well, they've been politicized. They've become a political hatch job for the Marxists in our government, which led me to this interesting question. See, I, I saw an article from The Federalist, and this article was titled, Why Doesn't the FBI Want to Get to the Bottom of an Alleged Massachusetts Cash for Vote Scheme? I said, ooh, this sounds interesting. Let me start reading. Is it another example of the FBI and the Justice Department playing politics? Well, here's the example that they're using. Quoting from the article, case in point, Springfield, Massachusetts, where the FBI is refusing to investigate evidence indicating a potentially illegal election operation involving the city's mayoral race. Did you hear that? This is a problem in a city's mayoral race. This is not a federal issue. This is not an issue for the FBI. 
Now, why do I bring this up as truth of consequences? This is the consequence of uh, the American people making everything a federal case. I mean, think about it. The, the, you have what appears to be a, 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 a case of um, election malfeasance in a city election. Right? There's surveillance that shows uh, a, a man affiliated with um, Justin Hurst's campaign, one of the mayoral candidates, and he's allegedly paying people to vote. This is a crime. Um, by the way, this is not a federal crime because this is not a, this is not even a, an, election, an election for a federal office. Now the question is: Are the state police in Massachusetts investigating this? See, I'm looking at this going: the consequence of our ignorance of the Constitution means here you have a an, an author for the Federalist, a, a, a website that I get a lot of good information from that believes it's the FBI's responsibility to deal with problems in a city election as if the federal government's in charge of everything. Which leads to the federal government trying to take control of each and every election. Why do you think we always see these, these, these politicians, these, these senators and representatives saying, oh, we have to have a federal law to control elections. There is nothing in the Constitution that gives the United States authority over a city's mayoral election. None whatsoever. And any law Congress created to make that so is unconstitutional and therefore void. Here's another one where, again, a misunderstanding of the actual language of the Constitution is uh, leading to serious problems. Now, how many of you have heard of a geofence warrant? It is a warrant that basically says, uh, "Judge, we want to know all. We want to know which cell phones were in this geographic area. In other words, it's bounded by what's called a geofence. They describe an area on a map, and uh, the warrant says, "Okay, uh, service providers." Tell them every phone that went into and out of that area between the specified dates and times. Um, these are often claimed to be constitutional because of a statement that you have no, no um, expectation of privacy when you're out in public. There's a problem, though. You see, the Constitution does not guarantee you a right to privacy. The Fourth Amendment says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. So before people go uh, searching for information, they've got to, um, there's got to be a probable cause to get the warrant. Now, okay, let's say you, the, the police are, are tracking uh, a dangerous felon, dangerous person. They say, we have reason to believe, here's our probable cause, that this um, alleged felon was in this area at this time and, and in that area committed this crime. So we want a warrant that will give us anonymous information about all the cell phones in this area. And then if we get probable cause that this cell phone is related to this crime, we're going to ask you to give us the, the personal information for that cell phone. That's how they work. Well, again, there's a problem. See, they, there's believed that a, um, in one warrant in, in California, uh, there was a typo. See, they, they, the typo meant they expanded the warrant from a relatively small area to one that covered a two-mile region 
over San Francisco. Meaning that data about the phones of San Francisco, San Franciscans in this two mile, and anybody who visited there, this two mile area, were turned over to law enforcement, including private homes, places of worship, you know, places that wouldn't normally be in, a, that certainly were out of the probable cause. Now again, this is human error. This apparently, it doesn't, as far as I can tell, was not an intentional move to gather data. But it just goes to show how easy it would be for a corrupt government actor to simply make that little mistake intentionally and gather data on people they have no legal authority to gather data on. And the problem that we were running into is judges who are rubber stamping warrants, who are not looking at the details, who are not uh, being as, as diligent as I believe they have the duty to be before allowing a law enforcement, an actor of government to infringe on the rights of, uh, of the American people or of people in general, right? It's the right of the people to be secure not simply the American citizen. That's why these general warrants, these general ideas of collecting data. Now, a geofence warrant's a little different because it's not the government collecting the data. They're asking to search. They're acting to collect data that was collected by a private entity, your phone provider. But we have to be very careful with these things. And judges need to be held to a very high account before issuing anything that approaches a general warrant which means you're not being, the, the, the warrant has to be specific and they need to be tied on that specificity. But again, a lot of this comes from, well, you know, you don't have an expectation of privacy, has nothing to do with privacy. The same way your right to remain silent, your right to um, not self-witness is not a right to, self, to not self-incriminate, but to self-witness. You may have nothing to hide, but you've got everything to protect. And until the American people start learning these truths and living by these truths, the consequences will be dire. That is why, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we focus on here at the Constitution Study. That people read and study the Constitution. Why? So they can be prepared to defend and assert their rights. Whether that be the, the right to remain silent, the right to uh, not be surveilled by government without probable cause, the, the, the right to um, speak freely, to publish freely, to carry a firearm. See, all of these rights are listed in the Constitution. By reading them, by understanding what the Constitution actually says, you can prepare yourself to defend and assert those rights. Now, you go to the website, constitutionstudy.com, you can find out more about what we're doing here. You can ask a question that I'll answer on the radio, but here's what I want you to look at. Look at the Patriots program. This program is designed so that uh, it, it'll help people do what they're already doing with a co more constitutionally sound basis. So what, maybe you're in a patriot movement. Maybe your thing is free speech. Maybe it's warrants. Whatever it is, this, this program, the Patriots program, is designed to help, build, help you build better arguments, better defenses, so you can defend and assert your rights. It's not a program designed to, to replace what you're already doing, but to enhance it.
Now, you can take the boot camp. Check it out. Absolutely free. Again, constitutionstudy.com slash patriots, and you can find the details. But if we want, if we're going to suffer the consequences, we better know what the truth is. And the only way we're going to get to the truth is by doing our own research and looking at the evidence. And that's what we're doing here at the Constitution Study. So hopefully that will encourage you to come back to the Constitution Study. We're heard every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. All of the episodes, by the way, also go to podcasts a day or two after they're heard on the radio. When the podcast hits, it also goes on the website, and any links or, or additional information is on the show page there at AmericaOutloud.news. So please subscribe to the podcast. Maybe give a, an episode a rating or review so other people can help find the Constitution study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at AmericaOutloud.news. But rather than sitting back, let's not be apathetic. Let's not allow ignorance to run rampant. Let us share this information. Let us share the good news and the blessings of liberty from sea to shining sea. <laughs> 